It is a real privilege to be able to stand here and, and open the Word of God and, and to preach the Word of God and tell you about what God says to us. And so I don't take that lightly. And so as I was going over this, you know, uh, most of you know me, I have a very lighthearted sense of humor. And sometimes that can get me in a little bit of trouble, mainly with my wife, but with a lot of other people too. And so to put something so serious as the name of the Lord and, and, and lighthearted, so I tried to put a mix in here, but at the same time, it's, it's, I hope, the, like as Cole said, the message gets through to us. Because as, as I'm preparing it, it's getting through to me. And I'm thinking, man, there's things that I didn't realize that I was doing and so I just pray that this is also touching you. The, it's simple. As you look at it, you're thinking, man, this is one verse long. If you look in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7, it reads this. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And you're thinking, great, that's one verse. Pastor had three. Cole had three. Brian has one. We'll be out of here in like 15 minutes. This is great. This will be quick. <laughs> Well, sorry, it's not quite going to be 15 minutes, but I promise we'll make it expedient. We'll get through it and we'll have fun with it together, but we'll also grow and learn from it together as well. And the title I put for this is Take the Name, But Not in Vain. So think about that. Take the name, but not in vain. There's a story that I heard from, I spoke with a one of our elders who was a pastor at the church I grew up in as a kid and was going through Bible college. He kind of met with me off and on and he just befriended me. I'm not sure why, but I was glad he did. And he told me the story of one time, and I don't know how it what was the reference to it, but it ties in real well with this because a, a husband was divorcing his wife. He was leaving her, and he was trying to take everything she had and leave her with nothing and just, just beat her down. She didn't have a job. He had a job, and he had the friends who were in positions of lawyers and whatnot. And so she came to him, and she was a member of the church, and I didn't know them. He's just telling me the story. And he said that, she came to him and she said, can you just meet with me with this guy? Because he's going to bring this hotshot lawyer in and he's going to tell me all the terms and conditions and all the things he wants. And he's, I, I don't know. And she's just crying. I don't know what to do. So he sits down with her and this lawyer, young, real young kid, just came in and he's sitting here and he's talking. He's starting to go on through his list. Now he says that you did this, that, and the other and stuff. And as he's talking, after about two or three minutes, this one of the elders of the church is sitting there. He looks at me and goes, can you say that again? Just how you said that? The guy's kind of taken back, and he's like, so he's thinking, okay, and he says it again, and he keeps going. Now, because you didn't work, and you didn't do this, and anything, he's like, back and he goes, wait, wait, say that again? Is that exactly how you want to say that? And he reaches down, and he writes something on his paper. Well, this young lawyer is kind of getting all nervous, he said, and he keeps on going, he keeps on telling him these things, and he's kind of getting a little slower in his speech now, and he's like, so he stops again, he goes, wait, 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 let me, let me write that down. And now he's getting really nervous. He said after about 15 minutes, the guy's like real fidgeting for words. And he's kind of like, uh, well, and he's like, and the elder of the church is kind of like looking at him and are you, how, what are you going to say next? And so he writes something down. And finally, this young lawyer just goes, forget it. Never mind. He goes, we're not going to sue her. We're not going to take her for anything like that. We're just going to, we're just going to go with it. He goes, you're making my efforts vain. And he gets up and he leaves. And this lady's like shocked. She thought, I'm going to lose everything. And, and so vain there, as you can see, because we have definitions. So if you look at, first of all, if you look at, uh, the first point is going to be dishonoring God's name. But vain here is he was saying you're making it pointless and stuff. And there's two words in this, in this uh, Exodus 20 and verse 7 that we'll have real, want to get the definitions of because there's the word take, as you see on the slide here, it says, and I was speaking with the teachers in the youth group uh, in the children's church earlier. And take this, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar by any means, but in the Hebrew definition of this, it means to, to bear, to carry, or lift up. 
And we're actually going to get to that point more second than first. And the other definition is vain we want to look at real closely here. Because vain means producing no result. It says to no purpose or futile. It says useless, pointless, worthless, and falseness. And so he got up and walked out after talking with this lady thinking that his, his efforts were vain. He said, this is not going to come. He's going to turn his words on me and all this kind of stuff. And this is the humor part I want to throw in here is that so he left and she asked him, says, what did you write down on that piece? Of, and this is honest truth what he said. He turned that notebook around and showed it to her. And this is what he wrote on that notebook that this guy was so nervous about. It said, hickory dickory dock, the mouse ran up the clock, the clock struck one, and that's all the further he got. But there's presence there. And he said, I was really praying about this because he knew this lady. She was faithful in church. She was faithful to serve the Lord. And this guy was just trying to run her down. So he was just praying, asking God to lead her. And so the vanity there was a different type of a vainness than the more... But it's still, there was the pointless, the futile, the, of no, no return, no result to it. So um, also while I was in, uh, in Bible college, there's one other thing I remember. I wish I could keep it. When we moved here, we got rid of a lot of stuff. I had a little flyer they gave us in church recreation class. And this flyer was talking about a missions fundraiser golf outing. And I know some of you people in here like golf. Cole likes golf. Greg likes golf. Some of the people in here like Nothing wrong with golf. But this golf flyer outing was so well put together. Whoever did this thought it over really well. I don't remember everything it said because, like I said, I got rid of it. But there was two points on here that was really good. And the, the golf outing had a nice picture photo on it and stuff like this. And it was a little bit older, but it had the do's and don'ts. It had a list of do's and don'ts during this golf outing. And one of them said, players may pray for divine help at any time. <laughs> during a golfing, I would be praying before every shot probably because I'm not a very well, good golfer. Uh, so, but it also had the list of don'ts, and I don't remember everything, but the list of don'ts had this on it. One of the don'ts says, uh, you may not ask for certain members of the Trinity to condemn golf balls or shots. Think about that. So no asking those certain members to condemn, because you'll hear that a lot on a golf course too, unfortunately. And usually we get into the, this third commandment that we're discussing this morning in Exodus 20, verse 7. A lot of people like to instantly go to speech. And that's the obvious thing. That's the thing that's obvious, and we're going to cover that first. It is. It's, a lot of that is talking about our speech and what we say, how we communicate, what people hear from our mouth, what they hear with their ears. So we're going to get into that first. And so usually people say things like God or Jesus or Jesus Christ. Or the real popular one right now is the, oh, my God. You hear that so much, and it's so flippantly. It's so casually thrown out there. And they don't even realize what they're saying. And it says, and they're not talking about God or religion or spiritual things at all. They just throw it out there flippantly as an expression, meaningless expression. And usually these meaningless expressions are in the forms of some, like anger. Like when someone um, wrecks your car and someone says, oh God, I just bought this. And, you know, and they'll say it in vain. There's no purpose or meaning to it. Um, or like if you're surprised, too. Sometimes people say it in a moment of surprise. Um, someone comes up and shocks you from behind you and grabs you in the ribs. And someone will say, oh, my God, you scared me. They're not trying to talk to God. They're not trying to talk about religion. They throw that out flippantly. They're using God's name in vain. Or sometimes it's said in joy. I won't go through all of them. In joy, also said in frustration. Many people work around machinery or hammers and nails and stuff like that. You're sitting there with that hammer and your nail and you're driving it in and none of us are perfect. You miss that nail and you hit your finger and you're like, oh, and I, you hear people say it and they'll say, Jesus Christ. And they're not talking to Jesus Christ. Or they'll say, you know, the OMG again or something like that. 
Uh, they'll say it in terms of sorrow or something, and you can think of what you've heard people say stuff when they're sorrow, or even when they're bored. Like, yeah, this class is going to last another hour. Oh, God. And they throw it out flippantly. They're not talking to them. Again, this is using God's name. These are the obvious things that we talk about here. And so you say, well, why do people do that? Well, you think about it. People never s- swear or use the names of my great, great aunt. You don't hit you don't say anything like that when someone surprises you. You don't say, uh, oh, you know, Hare Krishna. <laughs> or, ooh, Ra, the sun god. You know, no one says those. Why? There's no power in those names. There's no all authority in those names. There's no significance. And uh, you might even hear it. This is a good one, too, because sometimes kids or people, and you can follow me along with this one. If you've heard them, you can even say, don't. You know, you'll get what I'm saying here in a second. Because so, sometimes you'll, you'll, they'll use emphasis to, to make their point drive home. And I think Cole, we mentioned while he's praying it, sometimes we say stuff and we invoke God to build us up, to make us more important. And I, was, I didn't tell him what to say, but as he was praying, I thought, that is exactly a point I want to bring on. Sometimes we for God to make ourselves seem more significant or more important. And like, the, like an instance where you say, like, uh, were you cheating on that test, Cole? Cole's like, I didn't cheat on that test. I think you were cheating on that test, Cole. I didn't cheat on the test. I saw you. You were cheating. He'll say, I swear to. I swear to what? What does he say? I swear to, I swear to God. He doesn't swear to Ra, the sun god, or some Buddha, or something like this. He, doesn't, he swears to God. But they're try, it's to try to build ourselves up. Cole doesn't say that. I'm not. <laughs> you don't cheat on tests either, do you? Okay, good. That's a good thing. So, but that's what people say. They'll say, oh, I swear to God. So, and then, um, here's another one. As God is my witness. Because if God's your witness, that means, who can argue with God? God's my witness. <laughs> He's my buddy. He's right there. He's my witness. God's my witness. As God is my witness, I'll do this. Are you going to bring me that car when it's due? Are you going to return that rental car? Are you going to give me back that video? Are you going to fill in the blank? Oh, as God is my witness, I'll do it. They're probably not really thinking about it. They're trying to build themselves as more, I'm more important. I'm more special. And so they say that one. Oh, and my, my favorite one is this. I swear on a stack of Bibles. It's not just one Bible. They swear on a stack of Bibles. I got a whole, bring me, everybody bring your Bible up here. I got a stack of Bibles. We'll get every translation too. We'll get all the different translations, all the versions we have. We'll get a whole stack of them. We'll just pray on them all. We'll swear on them all. And they say that without flipping, but it, it brings down the name of God. It brings down the power of God. It, it tries to make it commonplace. It brings it down to where it's like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. So when you're someone who's a real Christian, it's more difficult to get through to the person because it's been so diluted. The name of God has been so watered down. It makes it like, oh, they just flippantly put that out. So he's going to tell me about God. I don't want anything to do with that. It makes it watered down. And that's sad because it's using the name's Lord in vain. And so, um, if you look in Philippians chapter 2, this is part of what Bud was reading this morning. Let me get my glasses so I can read it a little bit easier. In Philippians 2, in the middle of that, it says, in verses 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of, who is it? Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, one of these days when everything's all said and done, and all of us 100 years from now are all passed away, 
we're not going to bow to the name of Muhammad or Buddha or anything like this. And it's like, you know, we're, we're going to bow to the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He's the one that everyone's going to bow. It says every name, whether you're above in earth, above earth, below, it doesn't matter. Christ is the one. And uh, because his name has power. His name has strength. It has the conviction. It would, it's what's the power of the Holy Spirit would brought us all to say, hey, I need Christ as my Savior. It's not when somebody's sitting there and they're, they've got that hammer out again to bring that illustration back. You've got the hammer and nail out and you're smacking that and you hit your thumb. You don't hear people say, oh, fat chubby Buddha. Oh, my thumb hurts. Oh. <laughs> they don't say that. It's not what they... They use the Lord's name in vain because that one has power. That's the name that people are going to bow down to. That's the one when we're in heaven, everybody's going to worship. And those who don't will be cast aside. And we'll get to that point here later too. So look in, uh, there's a couple of verses that cross really well. Look in John, you'll see it up here on the, on the screen behind me. It says in John eight fifty seven, then Jesus, I mean, then said Jews unto him, thou art yet 50 years old and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Also look now in, in Exodus three thirteen and 14. It says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. I am in both of these verses are referring to the exact same person. It's referring to Christ. It's referring to the Lord. It's that name that has power. Because if they say, okay, who sent you? Well, Brian sent you. Okay, who's Brian? (laughs) Brian, I'm not going to let go. Brian doesn't mean anything. But if I say that the Lord God Almighty, the great I am sent me, that name has power. That's the name that carries the authority, the weight. And so that's why so many people miss you. They've tried to make it sound cool if somebody says it or something that sounds significant or he sounds so neat the way he said it. It's bringing the name of Christ down so that it's trying to build that person up or to make them sound better. And that's not what we're here for. We're here to glorify the Lord. And so as we, as we close the first point here, there's a couple other small points It says in Acts 4, verses 12, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other name we're saved by. We aren't saved by asking Hare Krishna people to come into our house or to ask, you know, Buddha to be our God. We're not saved by those names. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Until we all come to that realization you either on one side of the fence or on the other side of the fence. You can't say I'm straddling the fence. You're either on the side that says, Jesus is my Savior, or I don't want to deal with that right now. If you're not dealing with it, then he's not our Savior. So that name carries the power to save, and it's, a, it's, a, it's the name that which by all people are saved. It says the Lord's Prayer even mentions that. I, I don't think I have a slide on that one. But in both Matthew 6 and in Luke chapter 11, it says, Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Worship, reverenced, revered. Not something flippantly thrown out when somebody cuts us off here or somebody drops something on your foot or your computer screen blanks out on you or you have to stay in traffic or you're stuck in a, you know, whatever it is. Those, those aren't the times to use that kind of stuff. 
But the second point here is misusing God's name. And that misusing God's name, it, it is similar, but you'll see the differences here. Because if a name is misused, you'll see that um, the definition of take, for instance, to bear, to carry, to lift up, that definition of, of take is like when we take, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. If I'm walking around telling people I'm a Christian, or you're walking around letting people know that you're one of Christ's children, they're going to look at you a little bit different. They're going to examine your life a little closer than if you didn't say something like that. Because they're going to see, how are you representing this Christianity? Especially here, where the Christians are a lot lower percentage than they are in some Western countries like the United States, or maybe in some European or even South Africa. So the percentage here, a lot of people will be looking at you, because you may be the only real Christian they know very well. And so... If you look at to bear, to carry, or lift up, if we're lifting up the name of Christ as we walk, not necessarily everything we say, but they're going to be watching us. They're going to be looking at exactly what we say. And uh, we're not to carry or take up the name of the Lord in a worthless manner. And Exodus, uh, if you look at others, okay, in Exodus 20, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that holds his name, that uh, takes his name in vain. So as we carry and walk in it, you'll see a couple good illustrations here I'm going to bring here. It says, uh, when we become followers of Christ, it changes how people look at us and how they look and picture Christians. And a good example I was using even over there because I was trying to explain to them some of the things they're unfortunately going to miss. The reputation of a religion or Christ is a lot dependent upon the actions that we have. And if you don't believe that, you can remember just a few months ago, there was a cricket team. I won't mention any countries or names or nationalities or anything. What are you laughing for? <laughs> so <laughs> Won't mention any names, though. But this cricket team was caught cheating, supposedly. I don't follow cricket real well, but I, I do follow it. And if there was this cricket team that was, that was cheating, and they were scuffing balls and doing things like this. And for several weeks at work, any time, a lot of them talk about cricket, any time they were mentioning it, boy, they would mention this team. Oh, they're a bunch of cheaters. They're a bunch of scoundrels. They were trying to forego the system. They're trying to, you know, do all these kind of things. And so people were saying it. It wasn't the whole team. It was one person or two people. But the reputation of the team was dependent upon the actions or attitudes and the behavior of that small person. And that's the same as us as Christians. And also on that, if you remember several years further back, for those uh, who like Western American football, there was uh, the big old Patriots reputation back when the Super Bowl came around. And all you heard about was how they def- footballs were underinflated and the footballs didn't have the right t- pressure in them. And, it was done by this and that. And so anytime you'd mention the team, New England Patriots, people would say, they're a bunch of cheaters. Oh, they're just fixing the game, and people were throwing this, and they're just, you know, it was all fixed, and it was all set up because of, what, just a few people. I'm sure if you go ask all, of, I don't know how many people are on the NFL team. <laughs> if you ask the team, there probably wasn't more than a couple people that, if, I'm not even sure, it was, I read enough stuff this week, I had to tell them over there, even, I even had to stop reading the stuff on it because there was so much stuff on it I don't know who was involved and who was involved. I really don't care who was or wasn't involved. I used to enjoy football a lot, but at the same time, it wasn't everybody, but the reputation of the team is dependent upon the attitudes and the actions of a very few people. And the same thing, if you're the only Christian some people know, what's that representation of Christ? How are they going to see Jesus in us? As, again, as Cole was praying, and that was just so fitting, so thank you again for your prayer, Cole. It is fitting. How are people seeing Christ in us by our attitudes and our actions?
And then to go back a few years further than that, and it was nice that uh, Jill was in there because she's from Texas. And those of you remember the big Enron thing, a lot of you may not know it. I'll just give you a brief thing. Enron was an energy, huge, huge energy company in the United States back in 2002, 2003. They were shredding documents, and they were, said they were important and stuff. And again, I read enough on this where I just said, I'm, this is not my sermon, so I don't care. But I put it aside, and I just know that they were shredding documents. And so they were getting rid of evidence, and they were getting demolishing stuff, some things said from one, some for another. Either way, the reputation of the whole company, the whole company, I'm collapsing from it. Even most of Texas, from some of the people I even spoke with, said it took a hit because of, it, of what happened with this company. Because, oh, they're cheating, or they're hiding stuff, they're trying to find, steal money, or they're trying to put, launder money off, or they're trying to do this. So the reputation of the whole company. I knew one person that worked for Enron. And boy, you meant, he said, I don't tell anybody I used to work for Enron because it's just like they instantly think, oh, you're a cheater or you're one of these people that was hiding stuff. You're trying to scandal money off. Because of, he goes, I wasn't even at the, the branch. I wasn't even in Texas part of Enron. <laughs> it wasn't even there. So, but his reputation, he said, well, every time I'd say something, I'd say, oh, you work for Enron. Same thing. So by taking the name of the Lord, we're carrying it. We're walking around with it. We're wearing that. We're having that as not to lift us up, not to build us up, to say, hey, I'm a Christian. You ought to put me up in the front seat here. I'm a Christian. You ought to hire me first. I'm a Christian. You ought to fill in the... No. We're carrying the name of Christ in a way, that, in a manner that shows our service, our servitude, our love for others, our compassion, the way that we care about their life, their soul. And that's how we want to carry, lift up, and take the name of Christ. It says, um, this means that how we live will reflect more than just on me or you, but back on the God that we serve. The, oh, as it says in Simeon, the, the verse in Proverbs 30 and verses 8 and 9 says this is really good. And this proves the point. I'll make it afterwards. Just Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. He says this, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty or riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, Least I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or, now catch this part, or least I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. See, if just saying the name of God in vain was swearing like we were covering on the first point, that would make no sense. He says, Least I steal. People are looking at you as a Christian. Oh, you stole this stapler or this roll of tape or something. And they say, well, Aren't you supposed to be a Christian? Then you're taking the name of the Lord in vain. Because I know you're a Christian, but you stole this, or oh, he's sleeping on the job all the time, or he stole this, or he didn't do this, or he promised this and didn't do it. He never showed up. He's going to be at work, and he called in. He's out playing at the beach. He's saying that, Lord, give me the stuff convenient for me because I don't want to be so deprived of my necessities in life that I steal, and somebody might see me, and I'm taking God's name in vain by the actions that I'm doing. That's what the writer here in Proverbs is saying. And that's what we need to make sure that we're not doing. I don't, I really, after looking at this, I'm going, man, that's a really heavy point right there. But I don't want to be doing that. I don't want to take God's name in vain because I know there are people here who've come to me and said, first person I've ever known that went to a Bible college. That makes no difference. Why would that be? But he brings that up as a point because that tells me they're watching a little closer. If you say, hey, I go to New Life Church at the zoo. Oh, I don't know any Christians. I'm going to watch you a little closer. So they're on... Good and bad. Good, because we want them to see Jesus in us. We want to reflect Christ back on them. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself on the point here. So. But they want, we want to get uh, the glory back to the Lord. 
And so we shouldn't just wear the name of Christian in a way that builds us up. Again, as as Cole had mentioned, there was a great story I heard from one of the um, places I was reading this week. And he said there was this guy who's moved into a fixer-upper house. The house was really ran down. It was worn out. It was needing, it was barely livable the way he described it in the, in the story. And he said that the one guy's in there, and so the pastor's talking to him. He says, hey, are you, how are you paying for this house? you take out a little extra money? Did you roll it into the loan? Did you have to? And he goes, well, I'm just paying for it out of pocket because I don't own the home yet. Well, there's a scary thing there. Okay, so you're fixing up a house that you don't even own yet. He says, oh, yeah, he says, but that's okay. He says, because the... The owner of the home says that we've agreed on a price and we've talked about it and we've shook hands and he, and he, he said that when it's all done, stuff is he agreed and we agreed that I could buy it for a certain price. Did you get that in a contract? Did you get it in writing? How, how are you going to agree? And he goes, no, no. He told me it's okay because he's a brother. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I looked through the Bible and the, that first brother killed the second one. You know, and, uh, you know, look at Esau and Jacob. They were really good brothers to each other. He stole his birthright. It's really good, too. Or look at Joseph and his brothers. They sold him into slavery. That brother thing doesn't go. If you go through the Bible, that brother thing doesn't really fit real strong. There's some things there. That I, okay, so get a contract, even if he's a brother trusting, but at the same time, make sure you have it in writing. So to make a long story short, he had the house for months, fixed it up, stayed in it as the equity went up. Value in that area of homes went up. Things went up. The guy kicked him out of the house, sold the house, pocketed all the money. He's using the name of the Lord in vain. I'm a brother. You can trust me. He's using the name of God in vain. He's taking it. He's using that to build himself up, to profit himself. God forbid we should do something like that. So, um, don't like to get political and stuff, but there was a couple points I just can't help to do. So, but there was a, a prayer meeting in the U.S. for abortion, and they called it a blessing. Uh, the way he phrases, uh, I'm sure the kids didn't agree with that. And it said, upon uh, they called it a blessing. On doctor, how would you have a prayer meeting for abortion doctors? I don't know, but it says one of the one of the politicians who was running for office decided to show up for this, and he's going to say the prayer over this. And I have it exactly, I want to read this exactly. He says, and as he goes up uh, to pray, he says, We give thanks, O Lord, for the doctors, both current and future, who provide quality abortion care. They go, what? And the way he phrased it, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm just going to use what he, exactly what he said. He says this, he goes like, what? You're saying, oh God... Bless these people for killing these babies. That's using the name of the Lord in vain, to build yourself up. Oh, if we throw a little bit of God and religion, we have a prayer. If it's a prayer, it's got to be God. got to be good. That's using the name of the Lord in vain. I don't think God's in heaven saying, yes, I'll bless that prayer. Less children. All right, that's what I'm all about. <laughs> I didn't, couldn't stand them kids. That's not, that's not the God of the Bible. We can't try to fit God into the mold that we have. The God of the Bible loves children, loves us, died on the cross for us, died on the cross for children. So just using the name God and saying prayer and God this and bless this, and that's not going to cut it there. That's, again, that's using God in vain. And then uh, it says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That's in Isaiah 5.20. 
And again, not trying to be political, but one more. And I'll let me back up and say this, because I do want to say this. I know there may be people here who've had abortion stuff. I'm not trying to say anything to you specifically. I know God forgives those kind of things. God helps get past those things. Those are the kind of things that Christ came for, to die for those kinds of things. But I know that if something's happened like that in your life, I'm sure past that. Um, but I'm not trying to say, point anything out to anybody specific. But Barack Obama gave an address to a Planned Parenthood, which just so happens to be the largest abortion provider in the United States. And, uh, and he concluded his speech and said this. He says, thank you, thank, I'm sorry. He said, yes, he, said this. he says, thank you, Planned Parenthood, God bless you. Does that sound like he's using God's name in vain? He's taking that name. Oh, we'll just use God for this because if we have a God thing with it, it gets more people saying, oh, he's, he's praying in God's name. It must be good. So I don't know how a person would do that with a good conscience. I really don't. And then, uh, this is not serving the name of the Lord, it's using the name of the Lord. It's not honoring the name of the Lord, it's dishonoring the name of the Lord. And in Exodus 20, when it tells us to not use the name of the Lord in vain, you can see exactly what we, not just the speech we have, it's the actions and attitudes we carry along the way as well. And um, you can even reference back to stuff like swearing to God and things like that. But in Leviticus 19 and verse 12, it says this, and you shall not swear... By my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of, God, of thy God. I am the Lord. So in Leviticus 12, it's telling us that you should not swear by my name falsely. <laughs> Do you think they're profaning the name of the Lord by asking God to bless these doctors that are doing this kind of things? Or bless these people? So I, th- I think the point's well made, but at the same time, I also make sure that Myself is doing that. As I'm reading this, I'm thinking, man, how am I carrying myself? Is the attitude and actions and the things I'm saying, is that honoring the Lord? The last two points here will be a lot quicker. Um, you're all saying, yes, all right. So the, the penalty for misusing God's name. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 11 and 12, it says, For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account to himself of himself to God. So, for misusing God's name, all of us are going to give an account for him because it says it will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And that guiltless is like, ooh. Mm. I mean, to some extent or another, there's going to be, going to be something small, could be something big. We don't know whatever God tries as a penalty thing. It could be, we don't know when or don't know how to what severity. But by using God's name in vain, if we're saying, oh, I'm a Christian brother, you can sell me that house, or I'll sell you that house when it's done being fixed up, no problem. However you want to do that. And the illustration I want to bring up here, too, is that the, all these Ten Commandments, from what Pastor was preaching, Cole last week, and this one, especially these first ones that are directly in relationship to God, it's a domino effect. Is the way I was even talking with Gareth before he left about it, and it was really neat because he's like, "That's a good illustration. Say that." I was like, "Okay," so I wrote it down. But it's like a domino. Gareth is talking how that no other gods before us. Commandment number one: If we let that domino fall, if that first one falls, and we have we don't have God as our number one, it'll hit that second domino that Cole was talking about, where we've have carved images, we've set up idols, because now God's not number one. The TV can be it, or my position, or my job, or my money I make, or my career, or whatever it is. 
Now I can have other gods before me. So that first domino knocks over the second domino. Now when God is no longer number one and we have other gods before him, then God's not as important. That name's not as powerful. So we'll say it more flippantly. We'll carry it in a more less meaningful way. We won't be projecting it in a way that's as significant. And so the dominoes fall down. If we let that first one fall, and that's why I'm glad Gary got the first one, because that's very, very important. It knocks them down. And the way Cole did last week, it knocks that one down. And pretty soon, if Satanist keeps letting us, letting us slide that way, and we allow, we don't yield to the Lord and say, hey, keep me right. Keep me in your graces that I'd, I don't stray. Because I don't want people to see me in a way that, oh, that's Brian. He's a Christian. I don't want people to see that. I want people to see Jesus in me. And so the, the third domino being the, the, the reverence that we show, the respect, that we don't want to use the Lord's name in vain. And it says, uh, by God allowing us, uh, better put my glasses on so I can actually see it, <laughs> by God not allowing us to, of being guiltless to some degree of the punishment means that he will hold that against us to our account that must be paid at some time. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, and I don't think this is on a slide either, says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done wonderful works? No, it says, I'll give it a second. And the last verse of that is, and I will, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Because they're saying, oh, I've prophesied in thy name, and I've worked in thy name, I've cast out devils in thy name. I heard one of the one people I was reading this week, he says, they did it all in his name, they didn't do it for his name. Well, this is in his name, so that you can see me. This is in his name, so I can be lifted up. It wasn't for his name, so that he can be lifted up. And that's what we want to do. That's what we're here as a church to do. It's not just me. It's not just pastor, not just the elder. As a church, we want to lift up the name of Christ. Whether it's in the discipleship classes, whether it's in the worship and we sing, we don't sing the songs just to make everybody happy. We sing them so we can praise the Lord. We can lift up the Lord. We don't sing them and say, what a great band. We do have a good band. I'm thankful for that. But it's there to worship, to lift up the Lord, not to lift up ourselves. And they even say that. That's not me saying that for them. They, they say that themselves. And I think I agree. Our church is here to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not ourselves. And I, I don't believe any of us as elders or any of the leadership and the ministry teams would have disagreed with that. We're all here to want to see people become better, stronger, more filled Christians. And that's what our purpose and point is. Last thing's real easy here in Matthew, glorifying God's name. That is what we're here for. And... Um, I think I skipped a verse. In fact, I did. Let me go back. In Isaiah 43, 11, it says, I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. So that's not the Buddha, it's not the Ra, it's not your ancestors that you may pray to. Those people don't save us. I, even I, am the Lord God. Beside me there is no Savior. And the last thing is glorifying God's name. Matthew 5, 16 is a verse I learned back in high school. I love it. I use it a lot, and it's so fitting for this. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That is exactly what it is telling us in Exodus 20, verse 7. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Do take the name of the Lord to glorify our Father. Don't take the name to make myself puffed up. Don't be swearing about God in, in our speech and stuff. We want to speak the name of God. Glorify your Father which is in heaven. And that is the whole purpose. That is what we're trying to do. If see, people see that, they'll see a difference. 
Because you can fill in the blank with whatever other religion you want. Usually it's works. It's you got to do this. You've got to go here. So many times visit this. You gotta, there's a bunch of works. Ours is we have to surrender our life to Christ, our life, our will, our way, those things we have in front of us to Jesus. And we are to glorify the Father, not with the deeds we've done. I mean, with the deeds we've done, not for us the things we've done. So as we close out, look back at uh, the first verse, uh, the first verse, the verse back in Exodus one more time, and it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I do pray that all of us can get something from this we can apply, because there's things that I can see in my life, like I mentioned, that I, man, I, you know, maybe my walk here, I, well, what am I doing, and stuff like this. But it's, it's challenging. But my real heart's intent is to serve the Lord with my life. Whether I'm here, whether I'm in the States or some other country halfway around the world, I want my life to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. I want people to, to come to know Christ because of, maybe not because of me, maybe plant a seed, or maybe I am someone who gets to lead someone to Christ, show them in the Word of God. So today, if you're not sure where you stand on that, you're saying, I'm not sure if I'm a believer. I, I know Christ. I've heard of Jesus. Everyone's like, oh, I've heard of him. If you're unsure of your eternal security, if you're un- unsure of where you'll spend he- eternity, heaven, hell, I'm not sure. I've been in church. I've been baptized. I've, I've taken communion a few times, or I've, I've got a couple Bibles. And If you're not sure, come talk with one of us elders. I'm sure any of the ministry team leaders or elders would love to talk with you, show you. It may, you might be, I'm pretty sure, but if you just want to talk with us, come talk with us after service. They would be love to show you from the Word of God. But the Word of God says, not what we believe, not what the church is thinking, We'll show you through the word of God what it says. So uh, let's bow our heads. Let's have a word of prayer as we close out this morning. And Father, we come before you and we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity that it gives to us. And we thank you for the direction it gives us. And Lord, with our lives, we do surrender them to you. We give them back to you. We don't want ourselves to be brought up in some limelight. We want the light that shines on us to reflect that of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity this morning to open your word, to dig into it. And Lord, if there's parts of our lives we need to correct, whether it's speech, whether it's the the walk that we have, whether it's not reverencing you in the right respect, whether it's being complacent, Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for those things. Lord, be glorified in our lives. Allow us to show Christ in such needed area as this. Lord, just take control of the rest of this service. Be glorified today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.